We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Colm Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Race attack, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Stephon LeCoe, and you can find me on Twitter at Stephon LeCoe. Of course, you can find the other half of this wonderful podcast, Travis May at FF underscore Travis M. He is always putting out that great content. If you like math, you got to follow him. All right. If you're joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show about the journey of the best football players and prospects from being a college football recruit all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We always like to talk some fantasy football, though, because this is a Rotoviz radio podcast. We do make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis, too. Uh, today, I get the pleasure of having Matt Price as my guest today. Um, you can find him on Twitter, at MattPriceFF. It is so good to have you here. Uh, you you work over with the uh, Dynasty League football. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Stefan. Yeah, I've, I've been on the show once before with Travis, uh, but it's nice to be on here with a new face. We don't we don't need we keep those Debbie guys in their cave somewhere in the basement. You know, let them deal with them. We'll talk about the players that are actually in the NFL and scoring points for our our real fantasy teams. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We want we want those points now. Oh, it is interesting talking about that kind of stuff because some people like. There was a huge debate on one of these uh, like Twitter um, discussion groups that I'm in about yeah. Trevion Henderson because he's just blowing up for Ohio State. This was right after he had like his 200 plus rushing game, and people were like Debbie number one, and I'm like, dudes, <laughs> you're gonna have to wait three years before he gets you any points unless you're in like a college to Canton league. Then of course it's understandable because yeah. you're getting your fantasy, your college fantasy points. But man, I'm just not patient enough. <laughs> oh no, yeah, way. I mean. 
Yeah, I mean, I and same with B. John Robinson. He looks amazing, right. but still, I mean, two years, right? So <laughs> we'll talk about him at, at some point, but it's gonna gonna be a little while. Well, yeah, and I was, I mean, we're gonna talk a little bit about. Um, I'm sure we're gonna talk about Chuba Hubbard later. He's, you know, the big waiver wire acquisition this week. Everyone's yeah. talking about Chuba this, Chuba that. And lest we forget, like he was the Debbie one or two for his class for so long because he put up that 2000 yard rushing season and then he didn't get any draft capital and no one even took him in redraft. <laughs> and so, yeah, who knows what happens with these guys like Bijan and Tank and Trevion? One bad season can mess up all that capital. For sure. Uh, before we jump into football, and we're not going oh, to the show for today, we're going to look at kind of. Just some some overview stuff about dynasty. About dynasty, uh, want to talk a little bit about what you should be doing if you're three and zero or zero and three. If you're looking like you might be in a rebuilding season, how we can uh, kind of leverage our, our rosters to to maximize our future gains. Uh, and then we're going to get into some specific players. Uh, look at some of the rookies. Look at some of the the sophomore, second year players. But before we do that, I want to talk to you, Matt, because um, like your your Twitter handle right now, like it's at Matt Price FF, of course, but it's the Zookeeper. So I want to talk to you a little bit about a specific pet that we recently acquired. We have an axolotl, and those things are the coolest creatures in the world. Have you worked at all with axolotls? I haven't. I stick to the the furry guys for the most part. I worked birds and reptiles earlier in my career, but mostly mammals at this point. Uh, but I saw you when you posted about that guy. Yeah, axolotls are awesome. They're like... I, I I hesitate to say like how old they are, but they're millions of been around for millions of years. And right, they're incredible. I've actually never even even seen somebody have one as a pet. So the fact that you have one and 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 can keep the thing alive, that's amazing, man. Yeah, my my daughter was obsessed, and for months before her birthday, she was asking for it. And so finally, I was like, that's that's the Adorable. only thing she cares about. So let's do it. And uh, I have become obsessed. I stress yeah. about like keeping this little dude healthy and happy, and. It's just crazy. So an axolotl for listeners, you have no idea what it is. Firstly, you should just go <laughs> pause the show, Google it because they're cute. But it's basically like a salamander type thing, but it's a fish with legs. Yeah. And they have external gills that look like frills. And they, I don't I forget what it's called. You might know what it's called, but they have this um, condition where they never age. Like they just grow bigger, but they always look the same. And so he's always going to be this cute little guy. He's just going to get really big. And they get up to like 16 to 17 inches long. It's oh, my gosh. Be... I didn't know they could get that big. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be nuts. Um, so anyway, it's been it's been a lot of fun uh, doing the axolotl where, world. Where do you buy an axolotl? Do they just have them at your local pet store? Or like you have to find a specific breeder? Or like how do you even find? Because I've definitely never seen one in a pet store. Yeah, no, we had to go find like uh what was it like it, it's exotic like it's like exotic yeah, lizards and yeah. amphibians and stuff like that yeah well living close to denver i was able to find one down there but because they're endangered species they're not legal in every state because oh, some places yeah. don't let you have endangered that. species but um they're only endangered because they only actually live in like one or two lakes in mexico yeah uh, they're so. endemic to a couple of areas so yeah it's pretty crazy but anyway animals i we should just have an axolotl <laughs> podcast yeah um, man but yeah. Anyway, um, I wanted to talk. Let, let, let's get into some of this dynasty uh, talk. Firstly, do you prefer dynasty over redraft or do you just kind of work in both realms? Uh, I do a little bit of work in both realms, but dynasty is just so much more interesting to me. Uh, I would say like I have, you know, two or three redraft leagues, uh, you know, a work league. I play in Scott Fishbowl, of course, every year. And then I do a little bit of uh, work for uh, draft day consultants uh, doing some redraft work for, for clients for them. 
Um, but uh, I just think the Dynasty is the is the more fun format if you are like sick about this game, like like a lot of us are, uh, because I, mean, I, I could I mean, we could talk about this topic for for the entire podcast, honestly. But there's a few of the reasons why I like it better. Uh, you know, you're involved year round. Like it, you you really are. Like as soon as the season ends, it's time to start looking at rookies. Like for me, I don't really watch very much college football at all during the season. Uh, I feel like I devote my entire Sunday to it every week, and, and it's not really fair to friends and family if I'm going to do the same thing with college football. And I know if I would go down that path, that I absolutely will. So, uh, you know, it's just a year-round endeavor, and you really do own, you know, really do manage your own team. Like, it, it, you can develop it in your own vision. Uh, for a redraft, you know, one of the biggest complaints for me is, like, you have two or three bad injuries, and your, your season's done. What do you do for the rest of the year? You know, D- Dynasty, you're like, okay, well, now I get to play this whole other part of the game where I'm not necessarily scoring points, but now I get to craft my roster and get it ready for next year, trade for draft picks, all that kind of stuff. So uh, there's just so much more you can do with uh, a, a Dynasty team, I think, than a redraft team, uh, especially with those injuries that like, they have already this year. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I do love redraft. Uh, one of the reasons I love redraft is because the waiver wire is typically a little yeah. bit more exciting because with most dynasty teams, and, and, and this probably isn't universal, but the, the roster size is typically uh, quite a bit larger. Uh, so so there's the wa- waiver wire is usually, at least all the ones I'm in, the waiver wire, it's like, man, there's absolutely no one here. Yeah, once you get to like 25, 30 man more than that, roster is like the, the waiver wire becomes like one or two a week and maybe one for the entire season that actually matters. That's actually a pro for me <laughs> for Dynasty. I was a little bit opposite of you because, I mean, I, I don't, I think I'm in like 20 Dynasty leagues at this point and waivers is just such a grind every week. Like, I, in fact, I, uh, buddy John Bosch and I, like, we, we, pretty much just sign off like we we know that we're going to miss on the waiver wire stars we missed on james robinson mostly last year you know but the fact that i get to save like two or three hours every week and not 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 mess with waivers is is a bonus for me and then i have a couple of those redresses that obviously you have to be uh up to speed on every single week yeah no absolutely okay so uh, a couple questions for you um just your opinion uh, with your experience and, and the research that you've done uh, what time of year uh, can you get the most value in trades when looking specifically at trying to acquire draft picks for an upcoming season? Yeah, I think it's really like if it's a new league, it's the startup draft is, is, is the first place to start because, you know, you have you have teams that are wanting to trade up, move around in a draft and you can just pick up extra picks that way. Uh, but I do kind of look at the entire year from a dynasty perspective as kind of like a bell curve, both for kind of like opposite curves for veteran players and for rookie rookie players. Because obviously, as we get towards the draft uh, and, you know, while you're on the clock, that's kind of when the value of those draft picks actually crescendo. You know, that's when they that. that that players are, or people are, or dynasty managers are really looking to like move around in the draft. There's somebody that they have to have. That's when that pick on the clock is, has the most value. So kind of like the opposite side of the year uh, uh, for the cheapest time to buy them. And then veterans is the opposite. Like in season, we're in season now. We need players that are going to score points. But in the off season, we don't need those guys. All those old veterans, those even those like 27-year-old wide receivers that still have three, four, five good, great years in them, you can get those guys at a discount at that time. So off season is typically the worst time to buy rookie picks in season or in your in your startup draft is usually the cheapest time to get them. Yeah, no that 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 uh that seems to make a lot of sense to me. Uh, with that being said, I was I was curious. Like all of the dynasty and C to C leagues that I'm in, we do a slow draft. 
So you've got mm-hmm. a long clock. You've got like you know anywhere between four and eight hours to to pick. Um, and I actually play in a lot of in a lot of leagues with people from Europe. So some of those clocks are even longer. Oh yeah. Uh, and one of the things I love about that is it gives you time to send over trade offers and do all that. Do you recommend if someone's going to be in a dynasty league to do a slow draft like that? for that reason so that you're not speeding through without the ability to make moves or do you think you can handle that beforehand i i I do think it's way more interesting from a team building perspective to have that that longer clock and you know you always have the guys that get upset if the person doesn't make a selection right away right Uh, but i feel like especially in a dynasty format when you're really really trying to build a team maybe not i mean you you know there might be uh, there might be uh, like three or four guys in, the, in that league that want to win this year right now. Some people think that it's the easiest year to win because most people are uh, these days are building around wide receivers, going productive struggle, whatever you want to call it. Then you have a handful of guys that like are looking two or three years out. And you have another handful of guys who are like, I'm going to compete in year two. Uh, so, there's, so there's so much more uh, wiggle room, I think, in those longer draft formats. Whereas if you have that 90 seconds to make a pick, like we do in most redraft leagues, like you got to make a deal real quick, you know, or have a commissioner that's willing to pause the clock. And you got to have those discussions while the entire draft is kind of waiting. So I definitely prefer the longer clock, uh, not only for draft, but for auctions too, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm in a couple auction dynasty leagues and those are actually um, the most fun because oh, yeah. you just you just get such incredible value um, and and it ends up being just <laughs> absolute, absolute riot. Um, what is your preferred like with, with dynasty? Do you recommend people do like super flex leagues or do you think that doesn't really matter as much as long as it's <laughs> on the same page? I think you play what you want. Uh, I personally will. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't say, I guess, 100%, but 99.9% chance that I will never join a one-quarterback league again unless it has some kind of funky scoring that kind of makes quarterbacks, you know, brings up their value, whether it's, uh, you know, those formats that have, like, four-point interceptions and, 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 like, the Scott Fishbowl where you have negative points for incompletions and sacks and stuff like that. There's ways to make it so the position kind of evens out a little bit value-wise. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're in a 12-team league and there are 25 quarterbacks that you don't mind starting every week, like, it's just, you know, it, it, obviously you have an advantage with those top six, seven guys with their rushing ability and things like that. But I just way prefer the Superflex format because it creates another, like, a tr- another tradable asset asset you know like in a, in a one quarterback league except for those top six seven eight guys like a second round pick buys every other single quarterback in a super flex league right. we're talking about multiple first round rookie picks for for the top guys maybe sometimes more than that if we want to get all that to Mahomes and kyler and guys like that uh and then there's those those you know basement level guys the teddy bridgewaters in the world and stuff like that that even those guys can net you you know a, a first round pick in some cases so it just gives you more currency to the league and i really think that one of the most underrated aspects of Dynasty is that you can add all of these different layers uh, of creating different tradable assets, different currency within the league. And I don't, I'm, I'm in several Debbie leagues. Like I said, I don't really watch college football during the year, so I'm much less up to speed on on Debbie prospects than a lot of people. Um, but even within those formats, you can just choose to not use those heavy picks. You can use those as currency to go get players, go get rookies, go get veterans, whatever you want, uh, more more uh, auction dollars, whatever it is. Uh, it just gives you yet another thing that you can use to, to, to trade and, and, and buy things with. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that that's good. I <laughs> in, in one of my very first Debbie leagues that I did, I uh, it was a super flex and I was waiting on quarterback because I'm a late round quarterback type yeah. guy, you know, and this was my first super flex and my first Debbie league. 
um, a couple of years ago. And now I'm stuck with B- Big Ben and Matt Ryan and I want to <laughs> gouge my eyes out watching them play on Sundays. So, uh, yeah, I have I have I have Trey Lance, though, waiting in the wings and Justin Fields. So I just need them to nice. get up to speed. But but we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about both those guys after the commercial break. But before we do that, um, real quick, you you mentioned like when you build your strategy, like when you build your roster, uh, there's a lot of different strategies. How are you typically playing? Are you a win now guy? Are you a building for the future? Or are you trying to kind of massage that balance where like there, there, there is no rebuild? You're always kind of fighting for that third and fourth spot, knowing that once you make the playoffs, it's anyone's anyone has a shot at, uh, at, a, at winning it. Yeah, my, my tendencies are typically like I, I want to win now all the time, but uh, I, I have in recent years started to kind of challenge myself a little bit just to like put yourself in. I think I really think it makes yourself makes you a better uh, fantasy player is if you put yourself in situations that you've never been in before and try to work your way, way, way out of it. So I have a couple of startups this, this year where I you know, completely punted everything, went uh, John Hogue's uh, QBX strategy, which in Superflix, so if you're not familiar with that, it's like get five or six quarterbacks, and then you're basically the quarterback store, and player people got to come to you for quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are always going to have value in Superflex leagues. So I would say I, I have to fight against my tendencies to, to not be that win-now player, and even in that, in that regard, I don't necessarily think you always have to do a full rebuild. You know, you can retool instead of rebuild, unless your team is just, which, you know, I mean, sometimes you inherit an orphan team that has, uh, like everybody has, you, you have Roethlisberger and Matt Ryan, right? And all your receivers are 30 years old. You got DeAndre Hopkins, you got Keenan Allen, you know, you got these players that you can win with this year probably, but you got to make that decision that like, I'm going to go all in for this year because, you know, next year, those guys probably aren't going to have much trade value and you're going to be sitting on a full rebuild. So, um, yeah, I guess say my, my tendency is to, to, to try to win every single year, but I've been trying recently to try to get into, you know, the more of the, the slow build, so to speak, the, the year two, year three, because I really do think that you can uh, build a, a true, you know, powerhouse that can compete for multiple years with that strategy, whereas oftentimes with the win now strategy, you're one or two and then you're into rebuild season. So uh, I would say, you know, I, I, I try to do it all, but mostly I want to win right now and win every year. Yeah. Uh, that it's funny that you mentioned that because like with that Matt Ryan and Roethlisberger league, I was the runner up that first year with that league. Cause you know, yeah. that's when they were still good. And now I'm just like, Oh shit, what am I going to do? So my question for you is like, um, how far out is the longest that you should think a rebuild should take is thinking, okay, two years from now, I'm going to be competitive. Is that, is that okay? Or is that already like, no, if you can't be rebuilding within a year, um, you've been doing something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> It's a tough one. I mean, if you enjoy the process of just collecting youth and building rosters that look super pretty and like, you know, that in a few years of all of these player hits, you know, you time up your ages correctly so that your running backs are still young and your your wide receivers are hitting their prime in those 26 to 28 year seasons, you know, uh, uh, then I, I have a lot of respect for you. To me, I'm a little bit more impatient than that. I always try to find a way to be competitive the following year. Like if I know I'm going into a startup draft and I want to build around youth, that's great. But I want to find, I, 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 I like the path of if I'm going to do like a productive struggle team, year one, I want to, I want to be the worst team possible. I want to have amazing draft picks the, the, the second year of the league. And the second year, I want to have, I want to have a team that's going to make the playoffs. And the third year, I want to be in, in, in absolute contention for the title. So I'd say, you know, it's kind of 
kind of what we say is a two to three year window. But really, I think a rebuild can, if you're not starting from complete scratch, I think a rebuild can be uh, accomplished in one year uh, if you're really, uh, you know, working your trade partners and kind of things like that um, and acquiring draft picks, acquiring value. When you're in those kind of, when you're in your, those kind of builds, like you, you're, you don't really care about what your starting lineup is for the moment. Your, your goal is to acquire as much value as possible, no matter what the position is. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's a two or three window, but it feels like a generic answer. I'm going to say one year yeah. <laughs> is my preferred route. Yeah. Well, that's good. Okay. Let's get into some specifics here. Um, I'm three and oh in a league. I'm looking good. I feel confident about my team. I have not been hit by the injury bug. How should I be approaching the rest of the season? Should I be satisfied with my team or should I already be looking at maybe trading away some of my draft picks, uh, to, to strengthen my, my weaknesses, try to maybe, uh, get that flex-worthy running back in case of a catastrophe hits. Uh, what do you do if in a, in a 3-0 situation? Yeah, I think you nailed it there, is that even if you feel good about running back right now, you might not feel good about running back you know, next week. So, uh, and, and, and in those kind of, kind of leagues where like, I'm pretty sure I'm a top th- two, three, maybe even top four teams, something like that. I'm, I'm pretty much know that I'm making the playoffs. Uh, I don't mind. I don't mind at all getting rid of those rookie picks. I'm, I'm kind of notorious in my leagues for, Oh, I need a running back. Cool. I'll send you my first round picks. I mean, whatever, whatever running back that I can plug into my roster at that point. Um, so, uh, the other 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 uh, successful dynasty managers, you know, they like to hold on to those picks and try to move prospects and stuff instead. But for me, like that's the key is that running back position. Uh, if you are if you are absolutely going for the championship this year, this is your year to make a run. That's where you need to be placing your. Uh, your assets into the into building depth of that position because quarterbacks for the most part are going to be okay uh, injury wise wide receivers a little bit to a lesser extent and tight ends a little bit more than that but you know everybody's struggling at tight end wide receivers are cheap in most leagues at least production wise I mean if you went out and spent a third round pick on on Cole Beasley right now and picked up double digit targets every week that's a great way to get access to uh, a cheap wide receiver production you can't buy a running back for a third round pick not one you're going to want in your plug in your lineup ever so yeah, uh, yeah I'll, I'll spend my capital on a, if I'm a 3-0 team on, on building up that running back position because that, that's going to be important down the stretch as we've seen already this season. All right, same question, but I'm 0-3. What am I doing? What what should my perspective be? Yeah, the, the middle of the road is the worst possible place to be in a dynasty league. You you either want to be a, a strong contender and trying to win the league or you want to be bottom of the basement for me. Like I, I don't want to finish in the middle at all because you don't have the opportunity to get those elite rookies unless you're, you know, again, you're making deals and stuff like that. So there's ways to it. But your natural draft pick is going to be right in the middle where, you know, let's let's face it, they those, those picks often fail unless you have a year like 2020 or um, 20, maybe this year, uh, depending on how some of these guys work out. But a lot Large, largely, you don't, you don't want to be sitting in the middle. So now this year, I would say now that we have uh, an extra week, I think most leagues are playing through week 14 this year and in the regular season playoffs, weeks 15 to 17. Um, so we have an extra game. So 0-3 is not like I'm dead. Like if, you're, if you look at your team uh, and you look at the scoring in the league, especially if you're playing on MFL, you can go and pull up, uh, uh, pull up the power rankings or whatever and see where you're scoring amongst the league. Sometimes you just have bad schedule. Maybe you're a top three scorer in the league, but your schedule-wise, you've played the top scorer in the week all, all three weeks. That's happened to me in a couple of spots this year. But I know my team is still among the best, so I might still be trying to push at that point. Uh, 0-4 gets a little bit sketchy. 0-5, you, you probably should just hang it up no matter what, no matter how you're scoring. You know, Maybe you can eke into the playoffs and squeak it out that way. Um, but I don't want to be in the middle. So uh, you can go a couple of different ways, but if you're 0-3, I would 
unless you're one of those strong scoring teams, you probably want to think about starting looking at next year and, and moving off those older guys, especially those, you know, those 28 and 29 year old receivers that, you know, are still going to have value from a production standpoint next season. But from a value standpoint, you, if you want to get top value, maybe now is the time to get out. And, and would you be looking for, do you typically look for uh, young players or do you often look for um, trying to get a first or second round pick? It's, it, I would say a combination. Like if I'm trading a stud, like if I'm trading Ka- Travis Kelsey, like I, I probably want a player and a pick. I probably don't want to just sell him for two first because tr- Kelsey's a guarantee and those draft picks probably aren't. Uh, if I'm selling Christian McCaffrey, you know, I, I probably want a wide receiver and a pick or two back depending on the level of the player. Uh, so it really depends. Like if I'm selling these middle, mid-level guys that are going to be starters for, for most teams, but, you know, they're, you know, fringe wide receiver two, wide receiver three types, I'm happy to just take draft picks at that point. So it really kind of depends on the level of player we're talking about moving. Yeah, no, that that's great. All right, let us jump to the break so that we can talk about some of these uh, rookies and second-year players. Uh, We'll be right back with you after a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back. Thank you for sticking around. All right, this is this is the fun part. This is where we get. I mean, it's all the fun part, right? We're talking fantasy <laughs> football here. Um, but but this is the part that is. Uh, I just think it's fascinating. I want to talk about these rookie quarterbacks uh, to start, if you don't mind, Matt. Um, yeah. What is happening? Like, it's so bad. Like, we've got Trevor Lawrence who is throwing interception after interception. Uh, only Zach Wilson, I think, is doing a better job at that. And then you know Trey Lance and, and Justin Fields. Oh, Justin Fields saw the saw the field finally, but Trey Lance is only getting, you know, one or two snaps a game. He happens to be running them in for touchdowns, it seems like. And then Mac Jones is okay, but not really putting up fantasy numbers. Like what what is happening with these rookie quarterbacks? Are we should we be worried? Or is this, you know, par for the course, especially given that last year was kind of crazy in college with, you know, the the weird COVID year? And maybe that is playing an effect on this. What do you think? I just think we got to be patient. I mean, we we we've we built this class up so much that you know, best quarterback class of all time. You know, it just we we've put so much hype on it that you, I don't. I just don't think it could have ever lived up to it. You have Trevor Lawrence playing in an Urban Meyer offense, and we've seen Urban Meyer make questionable decisions 
you know, all the way back to signing Tim Tebow to, you know, this thing about saying that, oh, well, maybe Fields isn't the starter. Maybe it's going to be Gardner Minshew and then moving him for basically a pick that is worth nothing. Um, you know, Justin Fields finally got on the on on the on the uh, field this weekend uh, for an extended period of time, and I, I think it's the coach's fault, man. I really do. Like, what kind of coach is only going to run him? Uh, was it three times, I think, for 10 yards or something like that this week? What kind of coach is not going to use his strengths as a runner? And you saw last week, uh, excuse me, I guess two weeks ago now in week two, where they probably didn't have a plan for Fields, and he ran 10 times in just two and a half quarters. And then, yeah, in week three, a uh, full game, uh, just just three attempts. Uh, Fields actually has fewer rushing, had fewer rushing yards in week three than Andy Dalton had in weeks one and two. So I, I I don't think that he's being used correctly in that offense. I feel it really feels like Nagy is just trying to force him into the same offense that he's running with Andy Dalton. And they're different player. They're different players. Obviously, they're not using his strengths as a runner and ability to play outside of structure and all of that stuff. So he's a little bit concerning, mostly because of the coaching staff. But we have to remember with these players when we get concerned. You know, it was a big conversation. With with uh, with uh, uh, Jason Garrett in New York this uh, this this year was eventually these guys are, are going to be gone and the players are going to still be there so I wouldn't panic on any of these guys I guess if I if I had to pick one I would panic on a little bit it's Zach Wilson but this might be a little bit of my pre-draft bias coming in we see him doing a lot of the same stuff he did in college uh, in terms of I, th- I think being a little bit overconfident in his arm and his and ability you know to fit things into tight windows and things like that and those windows just aren't as 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 big and they close a lot faster in the NFL. We're seeing him making some of those questionable decisions. I will say, though, that I really thought that Zach Wilson was just going to kind of crumble under the pressure, and it doesn't seem like that. Uh, he's doing that. He comes right back out after throwing an interception and, and continues to play uh, in a similar style. He doesn't kind of get down, right? He continues to throw interceptions. <laughs> yeah, but but he's not losing. I mean, that aggressiveness is what we like about him, right? Like, we don't want him to go into a shell. We don't want him to turn into, no offense, Mac Jones, you're doing you're doing more than I think any of us really thought you were going to do up to this point. Uh, but you don't want him to, to to go into that shell. You want him to, to play to his strengths, and you just need the weapons and the coaching and him in the development to kind of catch up to to where his mental capacity is, I think, at this point. So uh, I'm not panicking. If I did have to buy one right now, it would definitely be Trey Lance. So we haven't seen that upside yet, uh, extended period of time. And I, I, he was my, my favorite quarterback in this draft from a fantasy perspective anyway, just because of what he, he can do with his legs. Um, so, but yeah, I think we just need to be patient. It, uh, none of them are in really great situations right now from Mac Jones, just having no weapons at all to throw to, except for a couple of tight ends, I guess. Uh, and, and, and Lawrence, you know, I, the, the concern with Lawrence, I think is, 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 is Urban Meyer going to ruin him? You know, mm. uh, uh, who is a, a Sigmund Bloom talks a lot about how, uh, these young quarterbacks get imp- get imprinted on bad bad mistakes get imprinted on them earlier in their career and some of them can never really come out of it um but you know it just seems like a guy like Trevor, Trevor Lawrence is such a competitor and had such success in college it's not really going to happen to him and Urban Meyer is going to be gone after one year hopefully um so I think we just got to be patient with the quarterbacks yeah I I am a I mean I have a Seahawks flag behind me as you can yeah. see which is depressing this year but I'm also a Jacksonville fan <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm expecting Urban Meyer to, to ruin him. Uh, but Zach Wilson, to your point, uh, he's actually ranked number, uh, eight in the league in air yards thrown. Um, yeah. that's not completed. Not, not all those are completed, obviously, but he is, he is pushing the ball downfield to your point. So, uh, that, that can be encouraging. Um, yeah, he's kind of the opposite of Mac Jones right now to your point. And, uh, Trey Lance, my concern is, uh, 
maybe this is maybe this is me just being like uh, a worry wart or whatever. But what if what if Shanahan does the same thing he does with his running backs? And he's like, we're just going to have a bunch of them. We're just going to have Garoppolo and Trey Lance forever. And this is how we're going to roll. I mean, it's possible. I just don't think you spend the number was a number three overall pick yeah. for that. Yeah. Right. I just don't think you do that. And and I, I think this is kind of the way we we should have expected the the season to play out so far for the Niners, the first three weeks were were um, you know they were they were easier games I would say right like they were easier competition, um, and now we've got the Seahawks here so now we're gonna really see I mean you, you you're a Seahawks fan like you said so you know the defense is is not uh, not looking stellar but traditionally we've oh, thought man. as uh, the Seahawks as a great defense right so maybe this isn't the week that Jimmy Garoppolo gets challenged but at some point he's going to be and his weaknesses are going to show and that's the point I think that Trey Lance is going to get in there once once Garoppolo is exposed because I just don't think he's really uh Garoppolo that is have really really proven that much in the pros even though he's we've been talking about him for half a decade now <laughs> that's right oh yeah um it is so weird seeing i mean it was last year too that the seahawks defense was bad but it's it's just so concerning to me because pete carroll is a defensive coach and he's spent these multiple high round picks on on trading for jamal adams and yet he's like i don't know how we should best utilize him in our defense <laughs> like bro what were you doing uh i but we're I'm, not gonna go we're not gonna get off on a tangent on the seahawks because that's not what people want to hear uh but uh, let's. I'm a Packer fan, so I understand. We've spent first round pick after first round pick on defenders, and it never materializes. So <laughs> yeah, let's let's head over to the running backs. And, and one of the, one of the things I was talking about earlier this season, I'm um, just kind of even getting ready for week one and looking at week two. Was one of the things I was curious about is looking at some of these snap counts. And I know that it doesn't tell us everything, but uh, for for some of these, where there's like I'm thinking about like specifically uh, Javante Williams um, and Michael Carter, uh, where they're kind of being brought into running back rooms where they have the potential to, to really make an, an impact there. Um, one of the things that I thought was very encouraging for, for Javante Williams is the fact that he is, uh, he's playing on just under 50% of the snaps uh, on yep. the season. He's already up to 43% of the snap. Uh, like he averages 43% of the snaps and um, really doing quite a good job with him. I know they played the jets last week, so it's not like the most, most difficult of competition. Um, but, but last year, Melvin Gordon was in there over 60% of the time, almost every time. And, and here we see Javante Williams getting a crack at it. Um, to be honest, earlier than I expected, uh, I live here in Denver and of course everyone was excited about the, about him being here. We all know that they, the, the Broncos moved up to, to select Javante. Um, but it looks like he might be able to, to see the volume that we want sooner rather than later. What are your thoughts on Javante Williams, uh, in, in particular? He he is so good. Like I think you can see him on the field that that he's better than Melvin Gordon right now. He just has that extra burst that I don't think Gordon has. Although Gordon ripped off that seventy yard touchdown in, in week one, so the veteran is fighting to keep that job. Um, and I and I was of the opinion that Williams was going to kind of take over that role sooner rather than later. But now I, I'm not so sure. It feels like this 50-50 split is really working for the Broncos. I know they haven't necessarily faced the toughest teams so far, but I, I wasn't sure they would be 3-0 and after three weeks. Um, so uh, he, I think he's another one we're going to have to be patient with. If he's a, I think he's a flex play at best right now until, uh, until you know, Gordon shows that he's not 
doesn't have it anymore and it doesn't seem like he wants to give up that job so uh but like i said i i do think you can see on the field that that he's the better player at this point from an athletic standpoint uh that fumble though this week that was uh one of the worst fumbles i've ever seen in my life so hopefully that doesn't (laughs) get him in the doghouse right yeah uh and 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 with rookies that's a real thing some of these coaches have very short leashes Um, and, and they don't, they don't want to mess around. Uh, we probably buried the lead here. Dodge Harris, I think on this season, I think he's the only running back really getting snaps, but I think he's at like 96 or 98% of, of Pittsburgh's offensive snaps. Absolutely insane. Of course, that's not the concern with Najee at the moment. <laughs> the concern with Najee is big Ben looks like he forgot how to throw a football or even stand upright. And that offensive line is atrocious. Um, short-term and long-term thoughts on Najee Harris. So going going in the pre-draft process, and I st- kind of stuck with it through even after they were both drafted. I was I was team ETN over Harris as the the running back one for fantasy and for dynasty in this class. Um, obviously, unfortunately, uh, ETN has that Liz Frank's brain uh, issue now, and now his you know I don't necessarily think his entire career is in jeopardy, but. Uh, you know, certainly concerning this, uh, in terms of that injury for running backs. Nashi Harris, uh, like you said, it's it, he's going to get all the volume of the world. I don't necessarily like to rely strictly on volume plays. Um, and the reason why I did have ETN over Harris for the most part in Dynasty was was because of the long-term outlook. We knew that we knew last year that Ben was done, right? Uh, next year, I mean, uh, I mean, maybe they make a, an incredible signing. Maybe Aaron Rodgers goes there or something like that, and they're able to reconstruct the line. But from a long-term perspe- perspective, after the draft, it seemed like ETN had the better prospects, the young quarterback to play with. You know, at that time, maybe we didn't necessarily think Urban Meyer was going to be terrible. Um, but Harris is – he hasn't – he's been great because of the volume he's received, but I – I don't know. He doesn't look special to me on the field. Mm. Like he, a lot of these little dump offs from Ben and I, Hey, I love getting uh, 14 receptions and 19 targets out of my running back. That's more than Christian McCaffrey, I think has maybe even received in a single game. Um, but I just, I, I just don't think that he's a player that is going to add a whole lot of value to his touches. He's going to, going to kind of give what, get what's, what's given to him. Uh, and, and that's a question mark right now, both with the quarterback and the offensive line, like you said. So I like him fine, but an older rookie coming out, we know how that does the running backs uh, once they get up to that 25, 26-year uh, year age in terms of their value in dynasty formats. So uh, a little bit less optimistic about him for the future, but this year, give me all that volume for sure. Yeah. Um, I was, you're going to hate what I'm about to say. I wasn't all that high on Travis Etienne just because of, the, I understand. because of the land, lo, the landing spot. Yeah. Um, and I actually had the guy I'm going to ask you about now, uh, one spot ahead of him, which I mean, because of the injury, I looked like a genius, but, um, production wise, it's not turning out. Uh, that's Michael Carter, uh, with yeah. the New York jets. Uh, he is, you know, he's hovering about 43 to 45% of the snaps his last couple of weeks. It looks like, uh, Ty Johnson is still the main snap receiver, but Michael Carter is averaging more carries per game. Um, one of the big differences that I see is, is while um, Michael Carter's like yards per attempt, which I you probably agree is not the greatest metric for measuring running backs. While it's not as, as good uh, as Ty Johnson, uh, one of the big reasons why is his yards before contact is, is half of what, Ty Johnson's is so he's just getting unlucky I guess or running the wrong direction when it comes to um that that contact so he's he's seeing contact at about 0.8 yards while while Ty Johnson is getting 1.6 yards before contact 
Uh, what do you make of the Jets' backfield? Is this just uh, for the time being with the Zach Wilson struggles that we mentioned above? Is this just like a fade or a void? Maybe try to trade off Carter before, um, like while he still has a little bit of like re- name recognition? Or is this maybe a let's buy low on Michael Carter because if this backfield becomes him, becomes his, and from a dynasty perspective, as we're talking about today, um, if, if they're able to like get this offense up and running, man, he could really be special. Uh, with the type of volume that that he could see because there's not much else in that backfield. Yeah, and uh, it seems like Tevin Coleman's going to be out of the picture for a while. So one of those the, those running backs in that in that uh, backfield kind of dropped off. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm a little bit lukewarm on Carter. It, this is going to be a completely boring answer, I know, but I think he's a, I think he's like the the definition of a hold right now because I don't think you can get a first round pick for him. You probably play paid a late first or early second if you're in a super flex uh, league. Probably a late first if you're in a one quarterback league. I don't think you can even get that back right now. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, we like we, we, we hope that Zach Wilson comes around. I know I, know I dump on him a lot, but he, he has uh, looked good from an aggression standpoint like we talked about. Um, so I think once this coaching staff gets things kind of molded in their vision, uh, the quarterback comes along, the, the, the offensive line continues to develop and those things, we could see uh, something like Carter. Now, I don't think he's ever going to be a running back one, but his reception for, you know, his, his receiving ability is really what his calling card was and what we were most interested coming out uh and that's not going to go away uh so we need uh, we need zach wilson to not always throw the ball 50 yards downfield because he can we need to dump it off sometimes to 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 michael carter and michael michael carter is a good route runner too so um, if he can get more involved from that standpoint i think we might have something um but i don't know if i'm confident enough to say he's a buy if you can get him for like if you're like let's say you're a strong contender and you can get him for a late second round pick as one of those depth pieces that we were talking about earlier i don't mind that at all but i'm probably not going to spend a first uh, on him and i think that's what most of his his uh his current manager are probably going to want to get out of him so yeah uh, and- i'm, I'm cautiously cautiously optimistic for for him but one other one other point and this may have been said many times i'm sure uh but you know he's a fourth round running back so we have to temper our expectations a little bit you know we saw we saw guys we see guys in that range of draft like kind of just just kind of disappear all the time you know uh Keyshawn Vaughn was a third round pick last year Zach Moss uh Darrington Evans Joshua Kelly Michael P Ryan you know is his, his backfield me Anthony McFarland these are the guys that are drafted in the fourth round I'm not saying Michael Carter is the same level as those guys I think he's definitely a cut above but the NFL didn't necessarily think so so it's something we should probably pay attention to yeah and I think one of, one of the things that I was looking at a lot this year was I was, I was trying to figure out kind of the the balance between what you just said and also like running backs in general all went later other yeah. than like Etienne and True. Harris, of course. True. And he was still like the fifth running back overall taken. So it's like, okay, fifth running back overall. What does that mean compared to being like, you know, day three, <laughs> which we don't like. And uh, so far it looks like um, the, the poor capital is playing out, but uh, to his receiving game, one of the things that I'd like to see is, is so far Ty Johnson is running more routes, Ty, Ty Johnson has 31 routes run to Michael Carter's 23. So I, I'd like to, while our targets are the same, Ty Johnson is running more. So I'm hoping that we see that change uh, a little bit more into Michael Carter's favor. And, and when that happens, I, I think I'll be ready to pounce on some. Of course, I have him everywhere because I yeah. was so <laughs> high on him. But uh, any 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 other uh, running backs you want to talk about? Trey, Trey Sermon, Kenneth Gainwell, uh, the ghost of Ramondre Stevenson. 
<laughs> well, my uh, James White uh, is banged up now. Not necessarily that Stevenson can get that role. A little bit different player, but he is a bigger back that can catch the ball. It seems like maybe JJ Taylor might get uh, first crack at that. Um, but there's you know some room there. I, I think I would be buying if I was going to buy any of these guys. I think it would be Stevenson uh, first and second. Uh, second, uh, the guy you have listed above him, Kenneth Gainwell, just because I think he has kind of solidified himself uh, as the as the two in Philly and with Miles Sanders. You know, I, I love. Miles Sanders and probably I'm hanging on way too way too long to that guy. But Gainwell has shown uh, we believe we saw it in Week One where he got that that touchdown. He's going to be involved in the offense. Um, so those two guys I like buying. Trey Sermon, I don't really know what to think about about him. He's you know we thought he was going to be the guy with 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 uh, Mostert to start the season. Mostert gets hurt. Uh, everybody on the roster basically gets hurt, and still Sermon. Is nowhere to be seen, right? And then this week he he got the touchdown against the Packers, but you know not a very impressive output with 31 yards. So maybe that changes in the future, um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him once uh, Elijah Mitchell, who did have a great week one, um, it's going to be interesting how those two get split up uh, once he's back on the field. So uh, I'm probably going to, I'm probably buying off of this list are, are Stevenson and gain and, and gain well, if I really am, am digging deep and, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not competing at all this year, if I already know that I'm not competing this year, I'm going to, and I know you hate it, but I'm going to go out and try to get Travis Etienne for cheap too, because if I'm not competing, I don't care that he's not on the field this year. Yeah, and, and I do think you can sometimes, especially if the person who does have Etienne um, is competing, uh, they might want to move off a move off exactly. of another player for a usable asset. So that that that's definitely a strategy that I try to use a lot um, is, is trying to pick up uh, those IR eligible players, even if I don't have an IR spot. Uh, let's <laughs> move over to the, some of these rookie wide receivers. Um, instead of going down uh, through them all, I, I'd like to hear kind of. Uh, what, what, who has surprised you the most in, in a positive way? And, and, and who's someone that's kind of disappointed you a little bit? Yeah, this is an interesting group. I guess uh, if I want, I want to use a surprising term, I would say Terrace Marshall, uh, you know, a guy who fell on the draft because of injury concerns, quote unquote injury concerns that never really materialized, uh, maybe a little off the field stuff too. Um, but he's getting used more than Robbie Anderson now. He's out targeting Robbie Anderson. I wish I had the numbers in front of me right now, but I promise you he is. Uh, Robbie Anderson is kind of an afterthought in that offense. And uh, Terrace Marshall is getting the, the, a lot of the slot snaps. So um, we like that, especially for rookie wide receivers. And as he continues to develop, you know, maybe Rob, Robbie Anderson uh, takes off in a couple of years and he can fill that number two role. I think DJ Moore is obviously playing out of his mind right now and he's not going to eclipse him in the pecking order. Um, but he's somebody who has surprised me from a positive standpoint, from a negative standpoint. Um, I guess Elijah Moore. I mean, maybe it's still the maybe it's still the the was it a quad injury he suffered uh, or late in, in training camp? Uh, maybe it's Zach Wilson and him not getting on the same page yet. But I, I really kind of expected more from him based on what we heard about in the offseason, that kind of steady drumbeat that had him as the best player in camp. Like basically, that's all we heard about. Um, so he's somebody I definitely want to see more from. Uh, and, uh, I guess that's kind of it from surprises. My favorite player in this entire class has, has been since day one, Rondale Moore. And I think we've seen him like show that he's the perfect fit for that offense. Uh, you know, the week two performance where he, uh, it was a broken play. Kyler was able to get away from the rush and he found that spot in the zone and was able to take it the rest of the way in. If he adds that, you know, 
that part of part to his game where he's not just getting targeted around the line of scrimmage, which is you know probably his, his best role, just uh, because he can make something happen as soon as he gets the ball in his hand. But if he finds that other part of his game, you know, farther down the field, then we could have something really special here. And he's 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 out targeting uh, DeAndre Hopkins, so he's the Crazy. number one target getter on that team already as a rookie. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. I w- I want to go back to Carolina. While you were talking, you saw me looking around on my phone. I was doing some 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 quick math here. Um, what I one of the things I was talking about, um, you know, a couple weeks ago uh, was this this Carolina back uh, wide receiver room because we saw uh, last year Robbie Anderson was the man, and the year before that it was DJ Moore. And and one of the things that you know we could see uh, that correlated to their output was was not only the targets because they actually had fairly similar target shares. Um, but it was that average, that average depth of targets, or mm-hmm. the average, um, the average yards per target. And what was interesting is that the dude getting the lower number was having a much better year. And right now, Robbie Anderson's average yards per target is eighteen point one, while DJ Moore's is ten point three. Um, and and so he's being utilized a lot more. And so DJ Moore, uh, he's seen thirty one targets to Robbie Anderson's ten. But to your point, Terrace Marshall is has seen fourteen targets. So he he's definitely um, outproducing him from that point, but Robbie Anderson's running more routes. So what I w- one of the things that we were talking about um, on the show a couple of weeks ago was targets per route run, um, and you know like that you you want to be around that like eighteen to twenty two percent range because that that shows that like when you're running a route, your your quarterback's looking for you. And uh, Robbie Anderson's down at ten percent, which is really really low. Yeah. And Terrace, yeah. Terrace Marshall is at nineteen point two. So when Terrace Marshall is running a route, uh, one out of five times. Uh, Sam is is looking for him, and and that's a good sign if you, if you have a, a some some Terrace Marshall shares. So uh, that that's definitely very interesting. And Elijah Moore, to your point too, like you said, he was someone who skyrocketed up draft boards because people were excited about what could happen. And um, I don't know if it's a Jets problem or a Moore problem or a Zach Wilson problem, but it's a little <laughs> bit of all of them, I'm afraid. And uh, I had Elijah Moore in a redraft league, and I dropped him because. Um, while I think the, the the ceiling is there, I don't think it's there this year. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. and Rondale Moore, um, I'm terrified as a as a uh, Seahawks fan when when he got drafted by the Cardinals, I was so angry because he is just he is just an incredible talent. I wanted I wanted him. He was my number one wish list for the Packers. I didn't care if they had to reach and take him in the first. I just felt like he if, if they went and signed Randall Cobb, but if they had gotten uh, Rondale Moore, they'd have the actual like you know Randall Cobb and his prime kind of player. So uh, that, that's just such a perfect fit with with Kyler. It's so fun watching those guys that are sub six foot running around and and doing stuff. Uh, so I'm I'm so excited for for him in the future. Yeah, and he's he's been electric. We've seen some of those big uh, highlight reel plays, but um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, like you said, as he goes down down the field a little bit more. Because I mean, his average yards yeah. per target is like three point five right now. Um, so so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. Um, which of these players, um, like that we haven't mentioned, Devonta Smith, of course, um, Jamar Chase, those are the highest you know uh, ranked guys uh, from the list. Uh, do you think Jamar Chase with the the crowded wide receiver room? I mean, I know T. Higgins missed last week, but when he's back, any concern with production? Have you been impressed with him so far? I mean, I know everyone got scared of him because of the drops in the preseason. It seems like that was a major overreaction, <laughs> which shocked me not at all, because, of course, the dude who was amazing throughout his collegiate career, yeah, sure, he opted out because of COVID, but, of course, he still knows how to catch a football. 
Yeah, and it was such a disservice to him to, to for people to report that he couldn't see the lines on the football and misquote him and the, all of that stuff. And and he came out and showed us week one and showed us every single week that he is still the guy we thought he was. So no, I have zero concerns about Jamar Chase. I think he's if he's not in the top five of dynasty receivers already, he's he's knocking on on the door of that. Mm. Uh, just because the you know the the old guard is getting old. Devonte Adams, who was our wide receiver one last year, probably you know going to be close to that in terms of production this year, but he'll be thirty next year uh Tyreek Hill is, is younger than that but he's not he's he's not 24 anymore um so DeAndre Hopkins obviously is another cut uh, uh below them I think um so yeah I think I think Chase is is gonna be I think it's gonna be like Chase and CD Lamb as like our in, in the top along with Justin Jefferson and DK Madcalf and AJ Brown I think that's probably our top five uh from a dynasty perspective uh, once we finish with the 2021 season I, I really want to go off script and talk about someone who was neither a, a rookie or a second year player and ask you what the heck is wrong with AJ Brown um, because yeah. he's disappeared all of a sudden. Uh, but we now he's hurt. Uh, yeah, now he's uh, hurt. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's very disappointing. Yeah, um, and I mean Julio Jones. Here we go. <laughs> let's 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 thirty two. Um, yeah, Deami Brown was a guy I was really excited about. Me too. It just hasn't happened yet, and I don't know if that's part of the the Heineke situation or what. Um, I know last week he had negative yards. It's just kind of disappointing. Uh, there was that one game where we we got to see him flash a little bit. Uh, I, I do still have some hope for him, as well as D. Eskridge. Uh, you could see that when he was on the field, the Seahawks wanted to highlight him, but then he got injured and hasn't been uh, utilized, and we've seen a lot of Freddie Swain in that role, um, which I think when Eskridge is back, we'll see. I'll, we'll see him take over that role for Swain. So I'm still excited for for both of those guys. Uh, and maybe and maybe this is way too crazy of a of a take, but maybe throw out some low ball offers to some league mates who are maybe a little bit disappointed already. Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't talk about, but you have a asterisk there. We didn't talk about Rashad Bateman because we haven't really seen him. But if 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 for some reason somebody's souring on Rashad Bateman and you can go pluck him from a roster, I, I think you have to. I think you have to do that. I think that's a move you absolutely have to make. What would you be willing to give up for Rashad Bateman? I'd, I'd pay a late 2022 first still for him. I yeah. Think. yeah. Yeah. So I was, I wrote an article this off season because Rashad Bateman more than anyone terrified me because from an athletic, um, from a production and from a uh, capital perspective, home run. Like yeah. he was off the charts on all of it, yeah. but he went to an offense that is an outlier when it comes to to passing the football, yep. um, not only from volume, but also from an efficiency standpoint. And I have since become um, after that uh, Sunday or Monday night game, the when the Ravens beat the Chiefs, I decided I'm a Ravens fan now. Um, <laughs> I, I got a Lamar Jackson jersey over the weekend. Nice. Um, but uh, I um, it's because well, one of the sports books, I think Caesars was doing this, uh, this thing. If you spent X amount of dollars, they give you a free jersey. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get Lamar nice. Jackson. But uh, so Rashad Bateman terrified me because there's this absolutely great on paper uh, player and in reality, but then the fit just really made me nervous. So where did you land on Rashad Bateman and seeing what could have been for Hollywood Brown with some of those drops? Like, are you excited about the potential of what this passing offense could be when he gets healthy? Yeah, I am. I mean, I just I think people just see the, the amazing running ability of Lamar Jackson and assume he can't pass, but he I think he was one of the best pocket passers in his class. 
uh, coming out. So uh, it's just the nature of the offense. Is is uh, Greg Roman going to evolve it? We haven't really seen it with past uh, rushing quarterbacks that he's had success with, you know, going all the way back to even uh, Terod Taylor and, and Colin Kaepernick. You know, we never really saw that next step. But I think that Bateman is good enough. They just – they just have to let him throw the ball more. And we've seen, like you said, Hollywood Brown, he, he had those two terrible, th- three terrible drops, right? Two of them would probably would have been for touchdowns. I had, um, but he's been, I had so but, much Lamar and Hollywood stacks in DFS. I oh, was me heartbroken. Too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> but, but, you know, outside of that, he's playing like a wide receiver one now. I don't think he's an NFL, quote unquote, NFL wide receiver one. I think Bateman can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe there's not necessarily enough volume for both of those guys to be super successful for fantasy. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm going to bet on the talent in this case. Um, like you said, he hit all of the production metrics we want to see from college. Uh, and I think he does profile as that as that wide receiver one. And if Hollywood is getting number two coverage, uh, I mean, I think that could really uh, open things up for that passing office. So they should they choose to go that way. So I'm, I'm still buying Bateman. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about Kyle Pitts real quick. Uh, the <laughs> second coming, the second coming of of Christ has not quite occurred in Atlanta just yet. Um, are you worried about Kyle Pitts? Are you excited about the opportunity to maybe buy low on him, or or what what's happening here? What 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 do you think people should do with Kyle Pitts? Well, I don't think we're necessarily getting a discount uh, yet on him. Uh, if you can, if you're in a league where you can get a discount on Kyle Pitts, I think you should absolutely go and buy him. Um, we, I'm not worried. Maybe I should be, but I, I mean, I was one of his biggest supporters coming out. I take, I take, took him in one point at one point oh one in a, in a one quarterback league. Uh, so I could take him at one point oh two in a, in a super flex league. Uh, so maybe it's some of my personal bias still coming out, but we're seeing the snaps come up every single week from 68% to 79 to 84% this week. The production has not come yet, uh, but I think it's there. It's waiting. It's, it's, it's there for him. Uh, he's the one who set up the game-winning winning field goal for the team this week. Uh, and these are some numbers that were going into week three, so they're a little bit outdated. Um, uh, but the Falcons uh, averaged 5.3 yards per play with Pitts on the field and 2.6 per uh, yards per play when he wasn't on the field. Uh, again, going into week three, nine pass plays over nine yards when Pitts was on the field, zero when he was not on the field. So he's having a positive effect on this offense uh, and, you know, hasn't gotten the hot start that I had hoped uh, he would get. But I still think this time next year, uh, with the age of, uh, of Travis Kelsey and, you know, a little bit to a lesser extent with Darren Waller and maybe a little bit the underperforming and the uh, injury history with Kyle, with, uh, with George Kittle, um, you know, TJ Hawkinson might have something to say about this when all said and done, but I really do think that Pitts is going to be the tight end one in dynasty uh, once we get to August next year. Um, so I'm, I'm still all, all, uh, uh, all speed ahead with, with Kyle Pitts. Yeah, and, and the two things that I wanted to say about Kyle Pitts is one, acquiring him is going to be difficult because anyone who has Kyle Pitts got him early. Uh, yeah. They they were truthers and they they bought him early, so they probably aren't going to give up on him just yet. No one, uh, no one had Kyle Pitts fall to them. <laughs> Let's just say that. I I could see if for some reason, like I have a couple of strong contending teams that has have Pitts on the roster. You know, I've tried in, in one in one case I traded uh, Kelsey straight up for him because you're buying back 11 years at the position, and I think he's like I said, I think he's going to be just as good eventually as as Travis Kelsey. But uh, that said, if you are a strong contender and you have Kyle Pitts on your roster, 
and you're missing that elite production from tight end, I could see going the other way and going ahead and buying one of those older guys that you know are going to get the volume uh, this year. I, I personally wouldn't do it. I'm hanging on because, you know, yeah, you have that dominant position if you go get Kelsey or Waller um, or Hawkinson, uh, but uh, most teams are struggling at tight end. So you're getting an advantage over the field, but sitting there with Pitts, I don't think you're at that much of a disadvantage unless when you're you're playing one of those uh, teams that does have Kelsey or Waller. Yeah, I, I still like Pitts quite a bit. I, I don't think it's a Kyle Pitts problem. I think it might be a Matt Ryan problem. Um, yep. And so... <laughs> we, and new we offensive will... coordinator, you know, new, yeah. new, new offense, all that kind of stuff, so... Yeah, let's, let's hit some of these uh, second-year players before we close up here. We won't spend as much time on this. Uh, let's just talk about the the quarterbacks. Some of the some of the big name guys, of course, we have Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, and then uh, the injured Tua Tagovailoa. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, Justin Herbert it, it, is he actually for real? Like, I'm an Oregon, I'm a I'm an Oregon Ducks fan. Uh, Matt, the co-host of the the other podcast I do, is an Ohio State fan, so we had a lot of fun um, after that game. <laughs> um, yeah. But but Justin Herbert is doing stuff that we never got to see him do at at Oregon with their um their more widespread less vertical <laughs> attack um a horizontal attack we might call that um but here we see Herbert really pushing pushing the envelope and and succeeding do you think he's the real deal how high do you have him in dynasty um i think i have him at quarterback 4 or 5 overall so, something like so that high. so Mahomes, <laughs> yeah Mahomes, i have definitely have Mahomes and Kyler ab- above him i think i have Lamar Jackson above him but i think it's a real conversation there at 5 with with him and Dak so uh yeah he's he's an incredible player uh, i can't remember the author unfortunately but ESPN put an ar- put out an article this summer about uh Justin Herbert that was just fantastic talking about how he's an introvert you know, and, and, and there's a stigma that your quarterback has to be this raw, raw Philip Rivers type guy in the pocket or excuse me, in, in the huddle um, and, and kind of discounting what the, the introverted players like uh, can still do. They're still good leaders. You know, this is a guy that likes to sit home and play Catan rather than go out to the club, you know. So, uh, you know, he's, he's got I think he's got everything. And the, the, the biggest concern, I think, other than the, the introvertism uh, coming out of, of, of Oregon uh, was kind of the robotic nature of him. And I think we've seen now in the NFL that that was more of a product of that Oregon offense necessarily yep. than what he can necessarily do on a field. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I love Justin Herbert. And, and I do live in San Diego, so I am sad that that team is no longer here. Uh, so I can't really go watch him <laughs> as yeah. often as I would like. Uh, but, yeah, I, lo- I love Herbert. Yeah, and we haven't even seen we haven't seen him crack open the rushing upside yet, which I think he can do too. Oh. Maybe not necessarily to the extent that that the Lamar Jacksons of the world and Kyler Murray's can do, but you know, if you want to put him on the same level as like Trevor Lawrence in terms of his athleticism, I think we can see more from him on the ground too. Yeah, even like 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 Dak, um, I could see yeah. something similar yeah. like that. He he definitely showed that ability in, in college. I yeah, I love the the Twitter uh, on Twitter. You, I think that I think it was the Chargers that put it out. But like how he would try to sneak past the different methods he would use to sneak past all the press. Like one time oh, he was yeah. wearing somebody else's jersey and just all this other kind of stuff he was doing. Uh, he hard knocks too, yeah. Like a hard knocks, like he was doing everything he could not to be on camera because he just doesn't want to be that guy. So and I think good. that's cool, man. I think that's cool. Yeah. What about Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts? What do you? Where, what is your outlook on them outside of a super flex? Are you interested in either of these guys? 
Yeah, I think so. I think Burrow is still good. He's coming off of the injury. He has the maybe the best wide receiver group in the league. You know, not necessarily going to give you as much rushing uh, at the moment until I think he gets more confident coming off of that that knee injury. Um, but we had plenty of, you know, maybe not plenty, but we had some rushing production with him last year too uh, in his rookie season. So still on him. Hurts is I, I love him for this season. I don't know what I have no idea, and I wouldn't want to guess at what's going to happen next year. It seems like the Eagles have have decided they kind of want to move on from him. So he's going to have to prove that he's the guy for them. And hopefully he can do that. Um, I would say I'm investing less in, in Hurts than, than the, the other quarterbacks in this class. But if I have him on my roster, I'm definitely excited to play him this season. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I view it too. Um, my rosters where I have Hurts, if things go sideways, I might try to trade him before yeah. the deadline, get some value. And, and someone else could probably benefit from having him. It's one of those win-win trades that you can, you can use. Uh, let's look at running back real quick here. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift. Um, let's talk about those guys. Let's uh, we don't have to talk about the the injured guys as much. Of uh, I had so much J.K. Dobbins, I was so excited. <laughs> oh uh, man, me too. I, um, I didn't care if there wasn't going to be passing volume. Anyway, <sighs> me um, either. Clyde Edwards-Alaire came back with a pretty big game after everyone else uh, wrote him out for dead. Um, he was able to. I think he got a hundred yards rushing, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he was involved in the offense. We've seen Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis. Uh, what What are your thoughts on these second year running backs? Are you pretty much? Are there any? Is there any running back on here that you wouldn't be willing to to trade a first round pick for to acquire? I think all of them, except for maybe Clyde Edwards Hilaire, are going to cost you more than than one first. Certainly Taylor, even though with some disappointing. Uh, you know, usage this season. I think Naheem Hines is outscoring him for fantasy purposes. Uh, so, but but in terms of like AD, ADP, which we run every month at, at DLF, uh, he's still the running back two or three in, in most cases. So you're not going to be able to get him for a single first. Antonio Gibson, I think the same way. And and DeAndre Swift, I don't think you're, I absolutely don't think you're getting him uh, for a single first round pick. Uh, you know, if I'm competing, I think this is, and I need a running back, I'm happy to buy all of these guys. If I'm rebuilding, I don't really want the running backs on my roster. Uh, I do want to talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire real quick because I have some some notes yeah. on him. Uh, I do, it, you know, it was a nice game for fantasy purposes, um, but this might be an inflection point for him uh, in terms of being able to move on if you if you want to. Uh, he in 16 career games, or maybe it's 17 now after week three, um, but he's he scored below 10 fantasy points. Uh, in uh, seven of them, I think, uh, and, and then above 15 and only four of them. So, uh, you know, he doesn't have that really that ceiling. He's not he, his, uh, his uh, target volume. Uh, the market share is, has decreased by half over his rookie season. The reason why we drafted him was he thought he was going to be this amazing pass catching back. In 2020, he had the 16th most touches in the NFL, only had five touchdowns, and now has six and 16 games. Uh, and the most concerning thing, like I just mentioned, was really the passing because like five targets in three weeks, that's that, that's what we expect from Derrick Henry. That's not what we expect from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, and then so a little bit older stats. Again, these are from, from week two research. I haven't really started my week three research just yet. But coming into week three, there were 51 running backs with 10 or more carries. Uh, and PFF graded him 51 out of 51, which is not great. He was 50th out of 51 in yards after contact, also not great, and 49th out of 51 in their elusive rating. So, uh, you know, I think you might be able to attribute some of this, that high ankle sprain that we saw him have late in the uh, in the in the preseason. I think it was the second, second preseason game, I think he came. Uh, he had that high ankle sprain. Um, 
but I'm, I'm, I think I'm happy to get out. If I can get a mid to late first for him at this point, I think I'm happy to move on because I just don't think we're going to see that upside that we thought uh, he was going to be. I have, actually have an interesting trade for you. Uh, I was looking at the trade finder before I came in here. Clyde edwards here. He's been moved on, moved uh, 26 times in the last four days, which is an awful lot. That's a lot of movement for a, a player. Um, and the, but the most interesting trade I saw was Saquon Barkley in a second round rookie pick for Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the first. Ooh. What are you doing there? Um so Saquon and a second or Clyde in a first. Yep. I, I I think I'm going the Saquon route. I am too, man. I'm happy to take the first round pick and Saquon and you know maybe he's he continues to be an injury risk, but I think I want the ultimate upside there and you can have my first. Yeah, and and I think with your point, like the the five targets, and, and not only is that a low number, but his average um, yards per target is negative one and a half. Like, yeah. So I mean, he, he hasn't seen anything down the field. If you look at like uh, his passing chart, um, he he's got all of his yards only on the left, and and on the right side of the field, he actually has negative one yard. So he's he, like he's only being used in one way, and it's not extremely exciting. He's he's literally the emergency in case of emergency break glass guy, and that's it. Yeah. Like it, it's just Patrick Mahomes. I guess the thing that we all overlooked is that Mahomes in this offense, they don't need to dump the ball off. They can throw the ball ten or fifteen yards to Kelsey yeah. or twenty or more to Tyree Kill. And while we're still looking for that third uh, receiving option for him. You know, uh, I don't think it's Mike Michael Hardman. He's had his opportunities. You would have thought it would have been a Hilaire, but it no, doesn't seem to be materializing. Yeah, it's it's their check down is a 12-yard pass to Travis Kelsey. <laughs> right, right, what a right. beautiful problem to have. <laughs> um, let's let's finish up here. Let's talk about some, some wide receivers. You mentioned some of these guys already. We've got Justin Jefferson. And if you're wondering how I ordered these, it was based on um, receiving yards uh, last year. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've got Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, uh, Jerry Judy, come back soon, big guy. Uh, yeah. Brandon Ayuk, LaVisca, Michael Pittman, Ruggs, who, man, I have so much Ruggs in best ball, it's not even <laughs> funny. Uh, Jalen Rager, who I also have a lot of. And again, the ghost of Denzel Mims. Uh, some some of these guys are a lot more exciting than others. Uh, let's start with Henry Ruggs, though, because it looks like he might just be breaking out a little bit. Are you are you buying this? Are you excited about what Ruggs is doing right now? I, I agree with you. No, I mean, I, it, I, I, I've said a couple of things about Henry Ruggs. One of them is I feel like John Gruden is the is a, is a kind of coach that he just has to be right. So even if it's even if yeah. he shouldn't get the ball force fed to him, Ruggs is going to get going to get the ball. Uh, but he he looked really good this week. That that sideline contested catch you made that was not something I I thought I would ever see from some from Rugs. Uh, if they can get him more involved creatively on on, on short and intermediate area passes, like that's I think that's the key to unlocking him and and maybe fabricating some t- touches for him close to the line of scrimmage and really unlocking that instead of just sending him deep. Uh, I think that's how we start to get value out of Rugs. And yeah, I was a proponent of buying him. Uh, in the off season, you know, I think that you know, if you, I think you probably could have got him for a, for an early second, right around rookie draft time, pretty easily for for guys that wanted to go up and uh, get the Michael Carter of the world. So yeah, I, I like Rugs quite a bit. Rager, I, I I have hope for still, and and I I took him way more than I should have last season in rookie drafts. We're in that late first range, I was taking Rager almost every single time over Justin Jefferson. That's obviously a, a huge. Uh, huge mistake at this point, but you know now he's in a situation where he doesn't have to be the one 
Uh, obviously, that's going to be Devontae Smith. So I, I still have hope for 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 Rager, um, but maybe not quite as much for Ruggs. You have Mims on this list too, and I I think he. I think Mims is done unless he goes to another team because he just does not fit this, this system at all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. I'm excited about rugs. It it is interesting. Um, 10 of his 19 targets have been 15 plus yards down the field. So he's definitely being used in one way uh, primarily. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Because he definitely has a skill set that would allow for, for a little bit more than that. Um, Speaking of players that uh, might not be utilized in the best way, LaVisca Chenault, what is what are your thoughts on him again? Uh, he he's from I'm just outside Boulder here, so um, a lot of a lot of Chenault fans. But then I also like the Jaguars, so uh, he's someone that I really hope succeeds. But you know we just haven't really seen the consistency that maybe we are hoping for. He has only had in his career he has only had which again it's his second year. He's only had one um, one top twelve finish. He's had one top uh, 24 finish and everything else has been a uh, wide receiver three or worse on the week. So what are your thoughts on LaVisca? Yeah, they are, they're declining. Uh, I'm starting to feel less good about him as, as the days go on, but you know, coming, coming into startup season this year, there were three receivers that I was trying to come away with in every single draft. Uh, and that was Claypool, Judy and Chenault. And, Chenault, uh, I think he's the 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 goat or the not the goat and the the other the other version of the goat, not the <laughs> yeah. greatest of all time. But he's the you know the, the the of the story. I think he's the one that doesn't seem to be working out. I still I still want to believe that that's the Urban Meyer offense, and that's why it's not happening. We I, I mean I I think a lot of us thought I certainly thought that once we lost Travis Etienne. Uh, he was, you know, he was he was slated for that kind of hybrid role. You know, whether that was a good idea or not with with ETN, I don't know. But Lavisca Chenault seemed perfect for that role, so uh, that's what we thought he was going to get before they drafted ETN. That's what we thought we were going to get after ETN went down to injury, uh, and it hasn't it hasn't materialized. So um, I don't know. I don't know how to feel. I want to. I want to cautiously buy. If I can get, I don't think I can get him for a second round pick now, though, and I don't think I'm going to send a first for him at this point. Maybe you can get him for a, for for two seconds. I think I'd probably still be willing to pay that because I do think he has all the talent in the world. He's just, I just think the usage is all wrong for him, uh, and I don't think it's going to get better this year. So uh, now that I just said I would go buy him right now, he might he might be even cheaper if we just wait. You know, if we wait yeah. till the offseason, you might be able to get him for for a late second round pick, something like that. Yeah, and and. While his usage hasn't been great in in games, he has been out there. He has been running just as many routes a game as Chark and Marvin Jones. So it's not like they're not trying to use him. They're just not using him efficiently or effectively. Uh, right. He's on the field. He's just not seeing the work that we would like and, and the type of work that we would like. Take take all those carries that you're giving to Carlos Hyde and give them to LaVisca <laughs> Chenault. I mean... I'll co-sign that. I'll co-sign that. Oh, that's great. Uh, we are... Um, above the time already i've already stolen too much of your time um but it was so great having you on the show today matt um if you don't mind can you just tell people some of the stuff you're working on where they can find where they can find your stuff yeah yeah all of my oh i guess i can't say all of my work anymore most of my work now is at uh, dynastyleaguefootball.com uh, I do the weekly uh, flagship podcast with Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler comes out uh, sometimes Sunday nights, uh, sometimes Monday, but it's one of the first one that comes out every week. We record on Sunday uh, between the afternoon and late or uh, late game. So it comes out pretty quick. Um, also do dynasty game night with John Bosch and uh, um, Russ out Russ Fisher outhouse and Rocky Petrella. 
Um, so that's a fun show if you like games. We, we, we basically play like game show style games about a game about a game. So it's like a, <laughs> like a third level thing there. We got to get it's you on there. right uh, there. To stay fun. Yeah, yeah that'd yeah, be awesome. Exactly. Um, so those are, the, those are the main pods I'm on. And now this season I'm also doing weekly rankings for Fanball. If you need starts it advice, you can find my work over there uh, from a week to week basis. That's awesome. And of course, uh, do follow Matt on Twitter at MattPriceFF. Um, just so y'all know, uh, as you're listening here, um, a lot of the information that I was giving you guys, a lot of the stats, some of those advanced stats, uh, you can find those over on RotoViz. You can use our advanced stats tool or NFL Player Stat Explorer. So, so do sign up for RotoViz. Again, it's totally worth um, the money. And uh, check the link. You can in the uh, in the notes. You can see the uh, the ten percent off code in there. So, thank you guys so much for listening, Matt. Thanks so much for joining me. It was great having you on the show. Really appreciate it. Um, Thank you, man. It was a blast. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's keep it going here, and I'm sure we'll have you on awesome. again uh, before too long.